Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we no longer talk about Animorphs because we've already done that. But we're not ready to say goodbye to Catherine Applegate and Michael Grant. Turns out they wrote more books. What? Books that we will be reading and casually discussing? You bet. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month as we morph into the Apple Grant Book Club. So, I feel like, wait, hold on. This is one of those things where, (laughs) I feel like Janiah Twain. Uh, This is one of those times when I'm supposed to act like we've already been to Dragon Con. Right? Is that what I'm supposed to do? Yeah. Like, we had so much fun going to Dragon Con. Yeah. Yeah. We ate so many nachos. But it's, it's just like your Adam Driver future past thing mm-hmm. it's that exact same situation where uh we are we had so much fun at dragon con tomorrow like i don't know how to say that and it not okay, wait say it again okay we had so much fun at dragon con tomorrow smash cut animorphs anonymous 65 million years <laughs> cut to screen wipe across there's a star field then we have from the background shooting up large scroll format this happened just after Dragon Con 65 million years ago today. Three people in the future, in the future three people <laughs> went to, did shows at Dragon Con. It was lots of fun and very cool. All of their panels, very successful. They have reconvened here today to record this podcast for you. It's like the, the science fiction episode of... Animorphs Anonymous. As opposed to every other episode. Yeah. <laughs> Finally done it, guys. We filled we fulfilled our sci-fi tag that we tag this, yeah. these episodes with every time. We finally did it. I don't know. I think it was the background music provided by Casey that gave it that whole like <laughs> retro future movie feel. <laughs> Yep. Totally I original agree. score that I came up with. Well, <laughs> hey, if that you I used wrote. your mouth for it, it's a cover. <laughs> it's a... Okay. Is that the rule? Is that what they say? Yeah. Is that is. is that an industry insider That's an thing? Industry. Listen, I I do a lot of legal things, <laughs> and yeah. I know that if you use your mouth for it, it's a cover. I do like the idea of you breaking a law and calling it a legal thing. <laughs> For legal reasons. Yeah. For legal reasons, I made this with my mouth. <laughs> okay, so because time is fucky, can we can we manifest things to happen tomorrow by yes. saying that they already have? Okay, I hope some of the cast of Dimension Twenty shows up at Dragon Con. Oh man, it was so good to see Brennan Lee Mulligan and Sakuyama and Emily Ackford and all those guys walking around. They were super nice because we talked to them. And and had a drink and a lot of laughs. I That's did right. It. And That's we power. definitely invited them to play with us. We'll see if that pans out. I'm coming for you, Brennan. Your fucking bird facts are <laughs> shit. <laughs> Tits of crows. Like, is that the whole reason you made 
tits of crows? Yes. Was it just in spite of <laughs> yes. Friendly Mulligan? I needed, listen, I wanted a bird game where the facts were real. Also, unrelated, I did, of course, get another Friendly Mulligan saying bird facts on my TikTok for you page today because the algorithm does the work, man. Yeah, <laughs> it knows. It knows. He was giving facts about cassowaries and... Like, it was killing me because he was mentioning how their back claw, like, locks into place like a raptor claw. When almost every bird of prey, actual raptors, have that in the genuinely correct claw, not the back claw that has the locking mechanism. Which, by the way, bird tendons lock anyways. That's how they can sleep on branches when they're asleep. They, the way that the tendons pull. It's also how, if you ever get grabbed by a bird, just straighten out their leg and their talons open. Because they have an interlocking mechanism that latches onto each other as it goes. This is unimportant. The important thing is that exists in the way that raptors that he was talking about, velociraptors and such, Deinonychus, had it in today's modern birds, and he didn't even mention that. Cut to, like, three years from now, where I'm walking down the street, and all of a sudden this bird just comes and just grabs my arm and locks on. And I know because of this exact moment that I just need to straighten out the bird's leg. Mm-hmm. And then it lets go. And then I'm like, you know what? That was important, Alex. It was. It was <laughs> you a said right afterwards fact. that that was not important. That was important. I liked that in the way that you were describing this fantasy of the bird attacking you, that it, it did make it, it seem like I had passed on. And you were like, oh, <laughs> I remember her fondly. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't manifest Alex's premature death, please. <laughs> I don't think I even hinted at that. It just felt like, like the way you're saying it, I just felt like I should be dead in this scenario. (laughs) Because like, at no point did you like call me or text me or let me know that it was good. Yep, she was right from beyond. (laughs) I just pour some beer out on the ground. This one's for you, Alex. Oh no. Pour some truly out. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. big guy. What a delight. <laughs> so, okay. I liked the second half of this book a lot more than I liked the first half of this book. Okay. I'll say it. Mm-hmm. All right. I said it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might be because there was way less Neptune. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. There were also large sea creatures that were steeds for chariots, which was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think the sea turtle is an interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not exactly the one I would have picked, which is accurate because it's not the one that they picked either. I'm, I'm like dying because like Tim was like, I like the second half of this book. And Alex was like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> did not, like you did oh, not no. agree Hold with on. him so Hold on. I liked it better than the first half of the okay. book. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> I wasn't disagreeing. I was I I hadn't thought about it in that way. So I was like trying to be like did I like the second half of this book more than the nice. first? Or like and did the, I, I not? Like in regards to like everything I don't know. Like in regards to the first half of this book, yes. 
yes, I did like it better. But it's yeah. the same thing. It's 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 like a filler book. Yeah, it it's not progressing is. the the bigger story. And so I was like, uh, but then I it's feel hard like for me to ever drop at the end that like super progress the story. Like all of a sudden it's like, oh, we have end goal in mind. Yeah, yeah, yes, and that's the, yes. There were a couple little nuggets. If you look at the whole book, there were a couple little nuggets that were dropped here and there that were that were pretty important, but they did seem to take a backseat to the the filler story. Yeah, so. I feel like we could have covered a lot more ground yeah. in the first half, and it would mm-hmm. have been better. And then stayed with Govna. It's not Governor, he's mayor. I know, but it's more fun to say. <laughs> Governor's Govna. more fun to say. Also, as soon as I read that guy's name, I was like, this is all made up and it's in some teenager's head. Like, you really, really, like, the mayor of this place is named Jean-Claude Lemieux. Like, there's not a more 90s name that uh, a, a teenage boy in the 90s could come up with for somebody who wasn't American. Or didn't sound American, let me put it that way. I Googled it, was American, it to see but if it was a Me thing. too. It, to see if it was a real person? Yeah. Yeah, to see if Jean-Claude Van Damme well, and Mario Lemieux had a baby. Like, they dropped it at the end, like, as the final sentence of a chapter being like, Jean-Claude Lemieux. And it's like, okay, that sounds really important. Yeah. So it sounds like a real person. And it's probably, like, some sort of famous, you know, dude or whatever. It's not. See, I read it I read it a little different. I read it as the most made-up-ass name that you could possibly get. From the 90s. No, I was like, this uh, is a guy that disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle in 1993, <laughs> and now we're going to find out what the fuck happened to him. Dude, if if my name was Jean-Claude Lemieux, I'm instantly cooler than you. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter who I meet, I'm instantly cooler than you because I'm Jean-Claude Lemieux. One, yes. Two, I also assume that you are related to the owners of Lemieux, the horseware company for which I have a deep love-hate relationship with, but who Shannon really wants the shoes from. And I'm hitting you up. I'm like, yo, give me a decent discount. Your saddle pads are so expensive and stupid. So you went with horse Lemieux and not hockey Lemieux. Yeah. Okay. One is assaulting my inbox every goddamn day, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) See, I was just like... I saw Jean-Claude, and I was like, okay, Jean-Claude Van Damme, but I was yeah. also like, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, you Enterprise. <laughs> so that's where I went. My Google immediately was like, you mean Jean-Pierce Lemieux, the artist? And I was like... Yeah, mine did that too. Oh. No. 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 Also, my I didn't Google, think he was very good. My no, Google did not do that because I did not Google that name. I bet if you Googled it right now, it would, though. It probably would. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah? I don't know. I mean, I know we talked about this last time, but it's like, this is a weird time to have a filler book. And, like, the the big, like, overarching story beats that it's trying to hit, I don't, I don't know if it really made the impact that I was looking for. I agree. Yeah, no. I also found... That the descriptions of the cities and the chariots and the blah, blah, blah were too much. And the descriptions of the monsters were so disjointed that I have no idea what any of them look like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
Especially right at the end. Yeah. I and was that was like, like a three-page description. I'm still like, I don't understand. Yeah, it's, it's big and has red eyes. Oh, my God. The only That's reason I, I knew what it was yeah. was because of the next book cover that I that I remember what the next book cover looks like. So I was like, oh, okay, it's that thing. But yeah, you're right. The description was whack. Yeah, it just kept focusing on like, so it was that like writing thing where, you know, like when you want to explain something incomprehensible, focus on the little details. So like the example I always see for like writing prompts is like, if you want to focus on Hiroshima, start with the child's shoe on the side of the road. It felt like the author was trying to do that, but then was like, but also the, but also this detail, but also this detail. And at the end, I'm holding a bouquet of details and no connective pieces, and they are tumbling out of my hands. Why can't I hold all these details? I cannot hold all these details. I don't know why, but I feel like that's the most literary sentence you've ever said. <laughs> I, at the end, I'm holding a bouquet of details that I have no idea what to do with. <laughs> like, I that felt so English. Yeah, yeah okay. your, your literary professor is what you Jane are now. Jane Austen over here. Yeah. Hell yeah. I got my PhD tonight. <laughs> also, when am I supposed to start with the little detail? When am I supposed to start with the shoe? Anytime you're trying to introduce something incomprehensibly large, start with oh, okay. the little so detail. Okay, start with the little detail. Okay. Because that, that focuses you in on the devastation, and then as you look out, you understand just how the capacity okay. that is around you. Okay, okay. But don't give somebody a dozen details. Or like more. Like from a, from a florist. Do not yeah, have them delivered. Oh, pick yeah. me. Yes, yes, Casey. Okay, but the the child shoe thing i'm thinking of hit disney classic mulan where they're like singing da 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 girl worth fighting and then they look and they see the devastated village and then like the last thing you see of that scene is that little doll from the girl so it like kind of did like the inverse yes which again, I feel like is very effective because then you're mm -hmm. seeing like the mass devastation, but to really understand why it is devastating, yeah, because they all died is why, yeah. like you know, yeah, and you bring it down to like not just the soldiers, the kid, yeah, innocence, innocence, innocence. return to innocence, return to innocence. Wow, that's a song from the nineties. It's, it is. I haven't thought about it in so long, but now it's in my head. Oh, oh. Kaylee, no! Hope. Kaylee, no! <laughs> Kaylee, no! Why is she doing this to me? Kaylee, no! <laughs> You're not a squirrel. Four on the floor, Kaylee. Four on the floor. She's That's now, what I say to dogs when they jump on me. She's now sliding on her belly along the couch. Why do puppies do that? I, I have so know. many puppies that I walk, they just flop in the grass and they're just like, they start army crawling. And I'm like, why yeah. though? This is not walk, this is know. slide. I'm half debating putting her in the crate at this point though, since we've already derailed. I might. Is it okay if I do this? It's got it yeah. bags. Yeah, he is it bags. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Put your puppy in the crate. I will. Oh man. And then remind me to tell you the bag story. I'll be right back. So what I think I'm going to do, Casey, is yeah. I'm going to take 
12 random unrelated details. And I'm going to write them on little strips of paper. And then I'm going to fashion them in like bouquet style and then hand them to Alex one day. Yes! Oh my God! (laughs) I should do this. Hell yeah! (laughs) It's a puzzle. Just like that episode of Perks and Rat. Fucking scavenger hunt. Do that. Do that. Yeah. I didn't think about making it a puzzle. That's even better. Okay, what's your BAG story? So today... Uh, I don't know what I was saying, but again, I was talking to Austin and he sent me something about bags and like was trying to do that, but he misspelled bags, B-S-G-S. And I still read it as bags. <laughs> and I was like, what is wrong with me? I can only hear this in Tim's voice now. Yes. <laughs> uh, also, we did get more uh, what to ease in this half of the book. We got one more. Yeah, it, there were a couple. Well, we got, uh, Yeah. But there was one, yeah. like, really classic what T.E. Yeah. said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I did think about that, about how I'm just permanently altered. Like, if I were to just walk down the street and somebody were to have the initials W.T.E. somewhere in life, it would be what T.E. And then I would say that out loud and somebody next to me would be like, what? And I'd be like, what? I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with what I said. Nothing. Nothing is wrong with what I said. That's how that's pronounced. Made perfect sense to me. Yeah. Okay. I think my... Just altered now. (laughs) When my license plate is up for renewal, maybe I'll change my license plate to to what to eat. Oh, that's so good. Right? (laughs) We write that down so I don't forget. (laughs) Wouldn't that be just the best? It would be just the best. It would murder people behind you. Wati. Wati. Yeah. <laughs> what if I did what if I did A N M R F? Anamorph. I I yeah. read it as anamorph. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? Anamorph. And and Murph. Anamorphs. Yeah, and PH doesn't work though. Wait, hold on, I forgot the R because I can spell A-N-M-R-P-H. Oh, that that reads. Yeah. And more. A N. Yeah. See, now that sounds like. Now we need to replace the some of the letters with numbers, like the cool cults do. Like Nexium. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of exactly. Is R anything? In numbers. <laughs> huh? What? <laughs> what? I knew as it was coming out of my mouth that was the wrong thing to say. It's like when you drop something and you're just watching it fall. <laughs> you're just like, well, I can't do anything about that. It was what a similar feeling to last year at Dragon Con where I was holding a full beer and my hand just let it go. And I was like, no! The O could be a zero. <laughs> Wait. Oh, I know what you're trying to say. Like in leet speak. Yes. Okay. Hold on. There's a name for this? Yeah. Yeah. What is it called? Leet? Leet? Yeah. So like okay. L337 spells leet. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, that's what we were trying to think of. I think I've seen fours used as A's sometimes, and I don't quite understand it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they should be like H's. Yeah. I mean, the S is a five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is like calculator speak. Yeah. You could spell. You could spell hell on your calculator. <laughs> Four, three, there was seven, a seven. lot of them. I remember. I don't know why. I don't remember much about school, but I do remember one day <laughs> where. <laughs> General statement. I don't remember much. Uh, where they had us, like, they were teaching us how to use calculators. This was, like, super early grade school. By having us do, uh, like, multi-step problems of, like, addition, subtraction. And when you were done, you got to flip your calculator over and see the word that it spelled. Because if you did it right, you could read the word. This was, like, first grade. What was what was the word? <laughs> there, was, there was bunches of them. Like, there's you can do a ton. Like, oil is one. Uh, yeah. God, there's so many. I mean, again, this was first grade. I don't remember the words really well, but yeah, we had like six or eight equations that all made different words. Oh my God. I think shell. Shell is another one. Mm-hmm. That's one. Yeah. They unlocked a Pandora's box of, of doing this calculator day. Yeah. Cause then all the kids were like, Ooh, I can spell ash. I can spell rubies. (laughs) (laughs) So for some reason, Matt and I were on the, like the Oreo website the other day and you can like, yeah, like the Oreo cookie and you can, you can order custom Oreos where it's like, pick, pick your filling and pick your sprinkles and then you can like write something on it. And you bet we were typing in every fucking possibly censored word that we could fucking think of to see <laughs> what Oreo would not let you do. And they wouldn't allow, like, really basic shit. Like, I don't know. Like, scientific words. You know, yeah. like penis and vulva, they would not allow. And it's like, but what if you're giving this to, like, an obstetrician or something? You heard it here, folks. Oreos are not sex positive. <laughs> yeah. What about Volvarier? <laughs> Is that one? Volvarier. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. Oh, my God. I kind of want to do it right now. Let's see. <laughs> There's no way they've blocked that. <laughs> oh, and they were also blocking words that contained yeah. word, like swear words in it. Like, what the fuck? So you yeah. couldn't use cockwomble? Right. Yeah. It's like, what yeah, if you're talking about a too. chicken? Uh, I guess I'll accept cookies for this cookie website. <laughs> Christ. Fucking idiots. Okay, cream. Yes, sure. Why is this taking so long? Sure. Fudge dips. Orange sprinkles. Low battery. Add text. It's not Oreo. Vulvarier. Is there... T- how many R's are in Vulvarier? Three total. That's I can't not fucking. Sp- how I thought you were going to state that answer. <laughs> <laughs> what does it say? Please remove the word vulvarier. <laughs> <laughs> your answer. is a no go. It's not. So okay, so now we have to find legitimate words. That have swear words baked into them, right? Yeah. Yep. Like shuttlecock. And we have to. Yeah. Cock of the rock. It would block it. Yeah. Would it block shuttlecock? It would. Yeah. Also, that rhymed, and I uh, it was Hitchcock. 
Let's try that. Yeah, one. that's a name. Yeah, but that's right. That's a fucking name. It's not how Hitch- these lists work. Cock. Done. All right, I can do Hitchcock. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Christopher's Oreos. Oh yeah. That motherfucker. Did he do anything in this book? Like no. He drove yeah, no. one chariot for a short threw distance. up. He yeah. threw up. Yeah. What if this was just how we recap the book now by just Christopher's yeah. deeds. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Christopher oh, yeah. did like jack shit. Yeah. He wanted to hang out with hot mermaids. Yeah. I forgot about that. You know what though? Okay. You said Christopher did jack shit. Did April do anything? She asked a couple questions and passed out. What did Jaleel do? Speared a guy? Yeah, speared a guy. Yeah, I guess that's a big deal. He also solved the software puzzle. Did he? Well, yeah. I think that's a little generous. Senna didn't do fucking shit either. He said, hey, we need to find the software. And then some dude's like, this thing about software. And Jaleel's like, aha! And I'm like, yeah, he didn't really do anything. David didn't really do anything either. No one really did yeah, anything. Not a lot. Yeah. Holy shit, yeah. nobody did anything in this yeah. book! Except Jaleel killed a dude. Yeah! Mm-hmm. I guess David did too. I but... Yeah, but he does that all the time. Yeah... I don't know. There was there was a lot happening to them, but they were all very much victims of the circumstances surrounding them. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's another thing that made this feel like such a filler book was like nobody like had any growth or made decisions yeah. Yeah. or affected no. the yeah. plot in any way. The plot happened to them. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, it just felt like like there were a couple of story beats that were like, yeah, just work these in somewhere. And and that's what happened, you know? What oh. we deserved was the political thriller around Mayor Lemieux. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That would have been much better. Yeah. If they had never gone to Neptune. Yes. And yeah. never gone to Neptune. Yeah, and they had just fucking... gone to Atlantis yeah. and had Poseidon and Neptune fighting around Atlantis and then dealing with yeah. trying to get out. <sighs> And not have that that diving bell as the solution. Yep. But they had to work around these two gods. I think that would have been a much better story. That I agree. You would have just had the gods as like a backdrop to be like, hey, we're still in right. Overworld, blah, blah, blah. But like, here's something, here's like another layer that's going on with this person that came in from the other world and, and is yeah. now like, right. Like, here's another consequence of like Jaleel's kindness, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and, and, like, you wouldn't have even, you could have never directly addressed Neptune. Well, you didn't really, Poseidon, but, like, you never really. They would have just been exterior elements. You know, like, like mm, earthquake, they're fighting again. Yeah. Mm, loud noises, they're, yeah. they're battling again. You know what I'm saying? And it would have, it would have been more. Yeah interesting to me yeah yes it yeah being a much better show me don't tell me thing because like the second you make a massive god who rules an entire at least one ocean if not more care so much about a couple of kids on the run it 
completely destroys any like yeah. concept that this is a big god. Now this is just a guy. Like yeah, yeah. to him. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. Whereas if they were more and I'd call them if they were less less human and more forces. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes. And then battling over Atlantis uh, to basically a stalemate because of the positions and the movements of Lemieux. I, that's just a better story. Just top to bottom. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Especially because if you're talking about Lemieux and his entire lying streak, right now he's he's negotiated with both Poseidon and Neptune and they have some sort of trade deal, which again, diminishes them. They're not gods then. They're just right. part of commerce. Mm-hmm. But if if they are battling and Lemieux is holding on by the like skin of his teeth to this lie that he is in charge of this place, that he has zero control and zero ability to negotiate yeah. over, that's way more interesting. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then them, the, the, the kids ending up in this place trying to escape these forces and not being able to leave because of the external forces having to work around and find their way out. Yeah, that that just would have been... And if you want to start dropping in, like, is David the successor? Could he be? How much cooler is it? It's like, here's a guy that rose to power versus here's Athena's chosen. Yeah, and and that was such a little throwaway bit, him having that thought of like, Mm -hmm. hmm, could I replace this guy? And I'm like, I don't know. Could you? That's super dramatic. Like, are you going to stay? Yeah. Like, you're not. And I don't even know why you mentioned it. Why did you bring it up, David? I don't know. David, why are you doing this? That would be so much cooler if he started being groomed to be that way and then had to make the decision, do you leave and support your friends or do you support your new chosen home that you feel responsible? Like, with his weight of responsibility thing, that's a much bigger struggle for David. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if this guy, uh, if Lemieux had been pushing him, like, look, I don't have anybody, and all these people are going to die if you don't stay here. You know, like, yeah. if there, there had been stakes sort of attached yeah. to him leaving. Like, I, like you and I both know that everybody from Everworld is, is baked the way that they are, and I can't mold them to do the things that they need to do because they're not, they're not able to change. But you, you're able to, to adapt to that situation. And him being the steward of Everworld puts him in direct opposition of Senna, which is mm-hmm. another amazing story beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. Damn. We just fixed it. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, in the next book, when you're continuing this series, uh, David having to craft his his reasons, like Lemieux came up with his way of fending off Poseidon. And Neptune, what is David going to do to maintain that same control? What are his, what is he going to leverage in order to protect the city from those two outside forces? And that would have been a great book too in that series. Absolutely it would have. Especially because he's going to need that growth because he's such a literal guy. He's going to have to... he's just a... Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Mm -hmm. Him like um, leaving the group, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I was like, no, no. I, I like all these like thoughts. Him leaving the group, the Everworld book series continuing, short one person, right? And then the David book series starting with him in charge of uh, Atlantis. Mm-hmm. 
I would love this. Mm-hmm. I too would love this. But he's still having to deal with uh, real world David and the pressures of managing this entire city and having to go back. That would have made the Starbucks moment so much more intense than it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so good. Shit. And then, like five books from now, in the Everworld series, not the Atlantis series, the Everworld series, when it circles back together and they have to reunite with David in order to, to for the solution mm-hmm. to the series. Yes. They have to stop Senna because Senna has the thing that they mentioned at the end of the book series, which I don't want to say right now because we haven't done the recap yet, and I feel like that's... Spoilery. That, I don't know who I'm spoiling it for because everybody's read the book now who's listening the to the podcast. Yeah. But you wouldn't be listening to the podcast if you hadn't read the book. Of course not. That would be ridiculous. But yeah. uh that would be super cool because that would be Senna with her snaky witchy like way she manipulates everybody versus David who's just coming into his own as the yeah. political figure that Right. Oh god, that would be so good. Yeah. So what if what if what if what if Senna gains control of land Everworld and now David is in control of wet Everworld and wet, wet Everworld, <laughs> yeah, wetter world <laughs> has to battle Everworld and he has to create forces to defeat Senna's land forces. And then Christopher does a whole bit about one if by land, two if by sea, but he does become the forewarning of the impending battle between Senna and David. Yeah, I like it. And then, in the middle of the battle, when it looks like all is lost, right? Senna is holding a sword. She's holding Galahad's sword, right? Right above David, and she's about to crash it down. And then all of a sudden, Jaleel flies in in the Millennium Falcon. (laughs) Even though everybody thought he had gone home, (laughs) <laughs> because he didn't want to, he just flies right in and shoots Senna and saves the day. Okay, well, can I can I tell you where I thought you were going with that before you said the Millennium Falcon thing? <laughs> before I ruined it? Yeah, where where'd you think I was going? I, I, didn't, I didn't say ruin it. <laughs> what would be amazing was David is now referring to it as my sword. So Senna gets it, she raises it up, she's about to bring it down on David, and then the handle blisters her because David has fully become the best knight forever world, yeah. and she cannot hold the sword. She is oh, not worthy. That's so much better than my weird, crappy Jaleel jet ending. Oh, that's pretty good. Because he finally lived up to the promise that he would be the knight that Galahad was. Oh, fuck. Sorry, oh. I just got very excited. It's a really Keith good book series. Oh, Keith is... Uh, Keith stumbles uh, Keith in the hell's is, domain, and she's like, so, ooh, I put you in the yeah, ground now. Goodbye. So the problem with Keith, it's a, it's a Jaleel's kindness situation, except it's Senna's kindness. Uh, Senna has brought Keith over to Everworld, and Keith, uh, like Kudzu in the South, uh, flourishes and... Senna is very, very quickly unable to control him. And so he becomes this, like, 
he's still evil. Like, uh, I don't mean to make it sound like he's a turn or anything, but he, he just becomes uncontrollable. So he becomes this wild card situation and uh, a problem for Senna and a problem for everybody uh, in general. Yeah, he ends up becoming, he ends up helping the David side in this scenario, but only through his complete inability yeah. to follow orders and to right. assist Senna. Right. Okay, I dig right. it. Right, yeah. He's not doing good, but he ends up working against Senna, mainly because he's sort of on his own, on his own focus. I very much like this series that we have created. (laughs) (laughs) And Senna kills Christopher. That would make sense, yeah. Yeah, like right before the final battle. Senna kills Christopher. And then what would be a fun little B story happening in this final book would be uh, Jaleel and April end up escaping, but only because Jaleel figured out a way around it and he, instead of helping, chose to do the emotional thing over the logical thing and save yeah. him yep. in April mm-hmm. and get out mm-hmm. of there. I like it. Also, also, the coup hatch, Team Senna. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Oddly enough, they it's they join Senna side because move. right because <gasps> they think they think Senna is still the the opportunity for them to get home. So they don't support David, <laughs> which is which is one of those things that stacks the odds against David. Yeah, but when they see him fell their leader. They would be brought to their knees and turn yeah. immediately. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. Well, we just wrote a really great book series. Yep. Yeah, I like it. Would you yeah. guys We've like done, to recap the material? Good work here today. <laughs> but none of that actually about. happened. What actually happened? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pretty much. That's what we're about to do. Would you like oh to hear what God. actually happened? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you guys remember where we were last time, right? With uh, Neptune slowly killing the guy that didn't entertain him and like all that jazz. Mm-hmm. All that jazz. Right. Christopher was just singing a Neptune-centric version of Hit Me Baby one more time. And they all decided they were dead. That's where we ended. Okay. I feel like it was important to start there because the first line I wrote is Neptune loved it. He made them repeat it and April joined in and eventually David did too. And then they transitioned into Row Your Boat, which they tried to teach Neptune how to sing in a round, but he didn't get it because he's a moron. And when it was clear that he couldn't get it, he stopped because he didn't want to look like a moron. Uh, But something caught David's attention. That sailor, who was Merlin, was leading Senna off. And David's like, fuck, there's no way I could... I could go there, curse whatever sentiments I had so Senna didn't have to perform because she was embarrassed. I I hate this soft spot I have for her because I love her so much. Uh, But yeah, anyways, Merlin had her under his thrall. He was walking her away. And Neptune finally is like, all right, my foolish minstrels, you may leave momentarily. And he bolts. But then the next demand from Neptune came. He goes, but not all the minstrels bring the fool to me. I want to laugh. And David's like, shit, what do I do in this moment? I want to go after Senna, but I can't. Because if I do, then we would all die because Neptune would kill me for not bringing me forward. And then April's like, come on, man, get up on the stage. And Jaleel's like, this is life or death. And Christopher's like, hey, read that poem from English class. Everybody would laugh at that because it was so bad. 
and David ignored them all and jumped on stage. And then the plan hit him. He watched Merlin, who he was like, hey, I'm the great wizard, not Merlin. He didn't say that Merlin part, but he's looking at Merlin. He's like, I'm the great wizard. And first, Neptune thought that was fucking hilarious. He lost his shit over that. And David actually got mad that he was being humiliated, even though he had just told a humiliation joke, which I think is toxic behavior, but this isn't about me. So anyways, then they're being mocked more, and he pointed at Merlin. He's like, see that dude? I'm going to change that strapping young man into an old man. And Merlin looked back at him and was like, guess David has me dead to rights. So anyways, he's like, watch this magic trick. And Merlin kind of like nods that he'll play along, and David approaches him. Lays his hand on the sword, and Merlin's, like, super secret whisper to him was like, hey, don't forget I forged that entire fucking sword, so, like, don't do stupid shit. David tries to do stupid shit, so Merlin makes him, like, spin the sword around and is pulling David around and, like, whipping him and, like, left and right and blah, blah, blah. And then he catches sight in one of these, like, massive turns that the sword is pulling him on that Senna's almost back with the group. And then when it spins him around one more time, he's face-to-face with Merlin, the old wizard. And Neptune's like, what a great magic trick. Merlin, come dine with me. He didn't know it was Merlin. He just said old man or whatever. And David's like, ah, thank God Merlin has to go to dinner. Certainly won't be able to get out of that. That's that chapter. I hate Neptune. I hate Neptune so much. Like, yeah. And it's just exactly what you said. Like, he's he's not... He's only intimidating because he's chaotic. Yeah, like... And that's not not really intimidating, you know? I feel like they tried to do too much. Like, they tried to give him a fatal flaw, but then they couldn't decide which fatal flaw, so they gave him, like, three fatal flaws. And it's... They gave him a bouquet of fatal details. A bouquet of fatal details. But fortunately, this was a small enough number of fatal flaws that I could hold them in my hands and observe (laughs) the fatal flaws. What about poison dental floss? I don't know that that's a flaw. It's a it's, floss. It's a floss. It's fatal, fatal floss. Fatal floss. <laughs> that's what I, <laughs> I, I just also, love the Did world. you notice? <laughs> did you, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Did you notice how you said bad? Bad? <laughs> Bied. It's Bied. just like bags. Big bags of milk. <laughs> Fatal floss. I want to live in the world where I sent Tim to the store to buy me some fatal flaws, and he came back with fatal floss by accident. <laughs> oh, Alex, your accent again. Da 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 da. Is fatal floss something that you can like, like, strangle somebody with, like yeah, it's like piano it's, wire or what, like garrote? Yeah, <laughs> that's what we should call piano wire from now on. It's fatal. Yeah, floss. it's fatal floss. Okay, I'm in. Yep. <laughs> can you please re fatal floss my instrument? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm never buying a piano. I hope we've established at least that here today. <laughs> What if it's yeah. when you dance so good that people die? Fatal floss. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot Floss was a dance. It's a really, really shitty Mortal Kombat ripoff video game with, like, dentists fighting each other. <laughs> I'd play that, though. <laughs> I would great. absolutely play that. There's, there's not really a good, easily available pun for that one. I'm working on it, though. For a dentist game? Yeah, like for a Mortal Kombat, like Mortal Kombat dentist pun. Fuck. Molar Kombat. Molar Kombat. No, that's good. I like it. See, I don't know. Molar Kombat's all right. I'll accept it. It's a start. It's a start. I think it's it's a start. I think it's a foundation for where we can lay the enamel that will eventually bring us to the tooth. Brace yourself. To the tooth. Brace yourselves. That's one of the taglines, Casey. <laughs> That's pretty good. Street Flosser. Oh, Street <laughs> That's Flosser. That's way better. That is way better. <sighs> yeah, I'm playing Street Flosser. All right, um, shall I go to the next chapter? Yes. Okay. Senna was terrified of Merlin for no apparent reason because he just fucked right off. Christopher learns the meaning of vomitorium, and as it turns out, Senna is a vomitorium, which is way funnier when you think it's the building you puke in and not what it actually is, which is just the Latin word for a gateway or passage. Anyways, after those revelations, April says she's cool with just leaving Senna with Merlin, and Christopher's like, fuck yeah, let's do it. But Jaleel's like, no. But like, not because of Senna, but because like how crazy Neptune is. And David's like, of course, I'm going to save Senna because I love her so much. I've never loved her so much. I will save her forever and ever and ever. And they were getting quite heated when April's like, hey, man, tone it down. Finally, no one's paying attention to us. And if you start yelling, they'll pay attention to us. So then they have this hushed argument where they're like, what do we do? And Senna's the one that's like, oh, ye of little faith. You think David doesn't have a plan? And uh, that's when David does have a plan. And it's Grand Theft Chariot. Okay, so hearkening back to last time when you guys were like, this this feels like an earlier book. It does. Like, in that particular scene where they're all fighting over, like, what to do with Senna. Yeah. And David, David has all this, like, undying devotion for her, completely undoing the last few books of growth and development that he's had. It just, it feels fucking weird. It's misplaced. Yeah. It's, it's not good and it makes no sense. Yeah. But, and again, we talked about the key thing being like the one thing where if you took it out of the first half of the book, you could easily move this book. Mm -hmm. We talked about a little bit about the reveal at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. I think that obviously needs to come out too, and then you can just you can just place this right, like I said, book three. Yeah, it has all that feeling to it, you know. I totally agree. I think book three is a perfect place for this in the lineup. Yeah, which is a bummer because, like, you know, things were starting to heat up, and now they're yeah. just. I don't know what this, and like, I'm sure ghostwriting is very very hard and the turnaround was probably insane and you know they're not gonna hit a book out of the park every single time but like this really felt like i read 
all the books up until now and or maybe i only read like some of the earlier books up until now and just like wrote off of that i don't know you say it's hard to ghostwrite books at the beginning of this episode we wrote like five of them <laughs> so it's i don't hard to ghostwrite books well oh oh all right well i guess that's and we're I just really good at ghostwriting. Yeah, we're just really good at it, I think, first of all. But second of all, on top of that, I feel like we work well as a triumvirate to to create an outline that is successful based on all of our different ideas. And they're maybe writing alone in their own home, and mm-hmm. maybe they shouldn't yeah. be. And it is, like, in reality, it probably is, like, here... Oh yeah. Here's your story. Do this. Yeah. It's not like they're gonna be reading like the previous seven. Yeah. Years right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because probably two of them aren't even out yet when they're being told. To yeah. Write exactly. This, so. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm trying to be, you know, somewhat understanding, but like, yeah, this this didn't do it for me. I mean, that that could be exactly what they did. Maybe they read the third book. And then mm-hmm. went to yeah. write this one. And yeah. they nailed That's the tone possible. for the third book. That's, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Now that's a that's a neat a neat thought is maybe we're we're kind of crapping on this thing. Maybe they did an excellent job when put into that context. Yeah. Like if this is what they were given, no, they did great because we're sitting here saying it sounds like a great third book. Or so if that was what they were given, then oh, oh or maybe like. Okay, hang on, hang on. Maybe this was like an alternate book. Like this, maybe this was going to be like an earlier book. And then they were like, they had to pull it for some reason and like restructure. And then, you know, you come come to like where this book is now and they're like, oh crap, Catherine and Michael are doing something else over here. Like we need something in here. And then they just, you know, made the edits to this book and subbed it in. Yeah, it's also possible. Yeah. I don't fucking know. We don't know. know. Anyway. Yeah. We, we, in order for us to really answer that question, I think we'd have to actually talk to the ghostwriter and that ghostwriter would have to hand us a bouquet of details on the situation. (laughs) And hopefully Alex would be able to hold those details with her tiny human hands. Can you imagine being on the the call with, this ghostwriter and they are explaining their process and i'm like okay you have handed me a bouquet of details but what i need now is the connective <laughs> tissue to understand where you're coming from i need i have a bouquet of details and what i need is the baby's breath that's going to go right in between all of those details and to then make it. the wrap and the ribbon to really <laughs> yeah i need a detail ribbon please Tie it in a bow for me. I want the gestalt of this conversation to <laughs> reflect the quality that I'm looking for. <laughs> oh my god. Can you imagine? I I would beat myself up. I'd punch my own face. <laughs> With your tiny human hands that can't hold details because you're busy punching your human face. <laughs> That's what, I'll be like, listen, Drop I can't. I can't hold on to the details of this conversation at all. I need these fists for fighting. So, yeah, so what I'm doing is I'm trying to reach in my pocket 
and get my keys and unlock my door, but I can't because you've given me too many details to hold. So now I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to hold these details and open my door and get it in. If only I had the modern day detail car where I could put my foot under the sensor and it would open (laughs) the the rear hatch for me. If only I had an SUV of details made after the details of 2019. Only I had the modern day sports sedan of details. <laughs> what I need you to do is give me a nice detail carrying case so that I can put my details in it. A detail tote, if you would. Yes, perhaps a detail Tupperware. <laughs> Promotional detail carrying uh, case. <laughs> Another promotional details. I was a little bit regretting the the detail (laughs) motif, but now I'm right back to really enjoying it. (laughs) That's Alex as a lawyer, right? Questioning witness, questioning witness. Okay, now what you've done is hand me a detailed bouquet. What I need is all these details to get put together. That's a terrible Alex impression, by the way. That's literally the worst Alex impression. It's not. You could be doing a Valley Girl accent, and you're not. That would sound exactly like Alex if I was. Yeah, that's true. I would, if I were a lawyer, I would explain that to clients that way. Like, okay, so you're going to give me a bouquet of details, and I will be the binding that brings your case into the beautiful floral bouquet that it is. <laughs> you would be lawyer of the year. Oh my god. I would not be. That's Naomi Berenson. I would lose to lawyer of the year. <laughs> I swear to god though. I I feel like we said this when we recorded the the last Animorphs book. If I was Naomi Berenson, I would win every case because I would end every goddamn statement with, and my daughter was one of the Animorphs that saved the world. <laughs> and my daughter saved the world. And she died. Like, I would just, I would run Damn. that the whole time. And they'd be like, well, we got to give it to her. Yep. We have so to. We did, we did for a minute try to become characters in an Animorphs movie. Um, oh, we're still trying. Which I, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I haven't given it up, but... Um, so, in my headcanon now, since that moment, it was determined by my brain that you would play Naomi Berenson. So, whenever anybody mentions Naomi Berenson, it is Alex's face, but it's serious Alex's face. You know, yeah, like serious around. aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody would be Rachel's mom, it's Alex. It's my dream. That's the yep. only child I would want. My other two daughters are <laughs> disappointments. All right, you guys want another chapter of Everworld? Yes. Not Animorphs? I could Gods. try to riff one of Animorphs if you like. No, I won't. I'll do, I'll do, it's okay. I'll do <laughs> Everworld. It's cool. You've talked me into it. All right, so they sneak over to the stables following a guy that has a cart with a broken wheel. As they roll up on this bench, they decided, sorry, I, even when I wrote that, it cracked me up. <laughs> Anyways, they decide to go with the good old fashioned. The girls are going to flirt with the merman and the boys will knock them out. And somehow this plan works. Like they spend an awful lot of time explaining how the hardest part of this is that there are two average looking 
high school girls and they have to work to get the attention of the mermen who are used to beautiful women and zero time on how the sword was able to go fast enough underwater to knock a man out and how two no. prepubescent boys <laughs> held a merman down okay okay it's one thing if we're talking about a sword going through the water a, a sharp edge first but it's not. It is the flat. flat they were yeah. using the flat of yep. the tail blade yep. to 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 knock somebody <laughs> out. They were, yeah. and it it worked somehow. Yeah, but like, you know, you just see that merman like turn around and watching it and just being like, "Hey, what are you doing? Sword still swinging? What, I you you know you might hit somebody. Sword still swinging." Yeah, it made no. And they're like, "Hey, the worst part of this plan." The girls just aren't hot enough. I don't know. Like, what the fuck, bro? And then, okay. And then they go into the stables. Yeah, okay, great. Chariots pulled by mythical beasts, giant seahorses of all different colors, and dolphins that were huge, blah, blah, blah. Then they fucking describe tortoises and said turtles. They're like, yeah, you know turtles with their flat feet and their big shells and their land-walking toes, and you can see how they have the fucking Wait, tortoises. What? They described fucking tortoises. What the f- Yeah. Hey, hey, Cassandra. Nobody gives a shit about your bullshit, okay? <laughs> turtles are tortoises. Quit trying to, quit trying to gaslight me. <laughs> oh my god, you're right, and I happen to I just like opened the book, happened to be on the right page. You are correct. What yep. the fuck? My, Do you want to know? What? You want to know why Alex can't stand me as a human? Because that moment didn't didn't even catch my attention. I just rolled right on through it. I was I like, did, ah, sea turtles. I did too, but I wasn't like mentally present for most of the time. And I just assume like sea turtles, sea turtles have flippers, right? Yeah. yeah for unless they, yeah, unless they retract those and then put their feet out. I think yeah, that's like how that an works, airplane, right? Yeah. They, yeah, they keep like extra extra landing yeah. gear inside the shell, yeah. and they just change and as some, necessary. Sometimes when they come in too close to the runway, they come in sideways, and then they bounce, <laughs> and they have to they have to abort the landing and then go back. So, Do you know I, how long it took me to understand that you did not genuinely think this? <laughs> I watched videos one day of turtles landing in crosswinds. For like a oh, really long time. It's really upsetting if you've ever ridden a turtle. <laughs> and who among us hasn't? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, turtles have flippers when they're in the water. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they retract the flippers and then the feet come out when they're on land. And then they retract to the wings <laughs> for when they go to the... <laughs> Shaw, dude. <laughs> Roy Joss. I love that Alex <laughs> thinks that I believe turtles have flippers and feet. I, yeah, it took me a second. It wasn't that I thought that you thought that they had flippers and I thought you had gotten confused about the retractability <laughs> of their feet. <laughs> and I was like, you know was, what else I know? <laughs> if a turtle's flipper ever locks onto you, all you have to do is straighten it out. And then it'll just let go. That's one of the the bouquet the details core that I learned. To of do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh it's a bunch of Luckily, they keep their facts in a conclusion. Enclosure- enclosure- <laughs> don't drop them when you have turtle facts. And you might think that that's separate from their body, but no, their spine is actually a part of their shell. Uh, turtle facts. Turtle facts. Hashtag turtle facts. <laughs> What a trap. <laughs> 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 All right, I'm moving on. The only other thing you need to know about that chapter is they got some spears. It'll become important in a moment. So they, they decide to get into these chariots, and David's like, hey, all the rest of y'all go take this dolphin one. Sen and I are going to take this nice romantic seahorse one. And that they do. And with not even a flick of the reins, these things start just swimming off towards the solid wall. And Christopher, Christopher wastes the last few seconds of his life coming up with colorful ways to describe how stupid these animals are. Uh, but then, as impact happened, they were whooshed out into the sea at speeds that knocked Sen on her ass and snapped David's head back, I'm sure giving him whiplash. It was absolutely insane how fast they're traveling and they're just getting to the part where they're like getting used to it and like cheering and like woo when there's this like sonar ping from behind them that distracts them they turn around and it's echolocation from orcas so i'm of course immediately cheering for the orcas and they are pulling this chariot with mermen who are blowing these conches and calling even more mermen in chariots and all manner of animals chasing them as they head towards the cave the turtles show up they're super fast and david was like I will not be cornered and killed. We will not go into this cage. We will run into the open sea until they tire or we die. And then he's like, wait a minute. Also, the mermen are arrogant, so let's just go really fast towards the cave, and then I'll tell Jalil to go right and I'll go left, and they'll just, like, wily coyote into the fucking thing. And that's exactly what they do, and it works except for one chariot. And that's the entire chapter. Do turtles have, like, a battle mode? When they retract their flippers so, and yeah. mm-hmm. they can just bring out javelins as well. I just. Some have cannons inside their shells <laughs> okay. that come out and they shoot. Oh, she okay. water cannons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they team up and wear cool sunglasses and they call them a squad. <laughs> Late start. Um, okay, so one of my beefs with this book, and this is saying a lot because it's fucking Everworld, what to eat, but like, there was so much going on that was fucking ridiculous. Because like, you've got all the water breathing nonsense in the beginning, in the first part, and then it's like, and then the animals headed towards a solid wall, ooh, platform nine and three quarters, some shit. And, like, oh, the turtles are inexplicably really fast. And, like, I just felt like too many rules were being broken. If that makes yes. sense. Yes. Yeah. Too like, many things were turned on their ear. Yeah. And, like, there I don't too care many if there's... Details. There's too <laughs> many details in the game of madness. Yeah. But we, we, we even talked about, about how much of that stuff was, like, super not necessary. Yeah. We talked about the water breathing was just, they yeah. were able was, to breathe in water and they were able to breathe in air. It was just super unnecessary. It's just, yeah. just kind of yeah. pick one. And I feel like it's the same sort of same sort of stuff. A lot of this stuff was, 
But it does. It, it adds to that same Neptune, like, stakes are low because everything is silly. Yeah. You and know? everything just magically works out and is convenient. And, like, I don't know. Without them doing anything. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you break rules, but, like, when you break too many rules, it's like, okay, you're just doing whatever the fuck you want. And yeah. The, I don't know. The the detail bouquet falls apart. Yeah. And then you just have a bunch of loose details. Yeah. Rules are important because they provide the foam base that all of the stems slot into. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like... Uh, Casey just realized that her detail bouquet was fake. They're not, they're not real details. I tried to they're take a bite detail. and it was just... <laughs> just fabric. <laughs> wax flowers but These icarus just... has some wax fruit of his own <laughs> <laughs> there's okay this is building up to one really great metaphor that i don't think we're quite there yet where you have fake details and if you if you fly too close to the sun with your fake details they melt every mm-hmm. every feather a detail that's wax stem is stuck into your back <laughs> this is why you can't break all your own rules you can't just what to eat everything away yeah yeah you can't because the what to eat is built on a foundation of truth <laughs> jaleel's laws of what to eat no but like that sounds ridiculous but it's kind of true like there's yeah. You need to have rules to break them. Otherwise, it's just the mush of the world. Yeah. And and we were getting that before where you had weird things that happened in an environment that were sort of inexplicable. I don't know. These are, these are different, the things that we're describing. These are just like, and then this happened, but it was okay because it worked out. It's like a three-year-old trying to tell an epic story. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, there's some good ideas there. Like, I love the giant animals, but, like, have them move at different speeds. Have the the turtles be, like, like the fucking, like, these are the vehicles we take around town for, like, sightseeing, and they're really slow and leisurely versus, like, the dolphins who are, like, you know, the Ferraris of the thing, you know, like, fucking... Because then when the kids were trying to decide which animals to take, it would have mattered a little bit more. And, like, why is there a wall that isn't actually a wall? Like, why is that there? Why couldn't they have just gone out the back of the thing? (laughs) Like, or, like, just jumping back one step to your animal having the differences. What if they had made it to the surface like they do, but only the dolphins had gone up and the seahorses had dropped below, and all of a sudden you right. have this separation of like, oh shit, how did David and Senna get back up to everybody else? Yeah. Not to use facts about animals. Right. Or actually have it be a tortoise and instead of a dies. turtle. <laughs> and it dies. So funny. <laughs> <laughs> It turns out nobody set the tortoise to be able to breathe underwater. Oh, oh, no. What if, what if they did, what if those were all the tortoises that people had thrown into lakes trying to help them thinking they were turtles? And Neptune, it turns out, was like, he had collected them all, and this was oh his God. tortoise herd. 
And they didn't have to do with the chair. Yeah, that's kind of adorable. And now we're like, okay, maybe Neptune's not. He has another side now. Oh my god! When I was growing up, I don't know how I got this impression, but I was under the impression that Godzilla was a baby alligator that had been flushed down the toilet. Was that not lore? Because I've heard that. Was that okay? I feel like I thought that was just chaotic Tim coming up with weird stuff is that actually a thing i feel like it's in like the 2001 godzilla movie or something like not that's but i feel like it's in one of the godzilla movies they say something like that Godzilla, a baby alligator yeah i don't know i feel like that was alligator (laughs) is godzilla an alligator nope that's Okay, apparently there is a canonical alligator named Godzilla. How is Godzilla the alligator doing? Maybe that's how the the idea got started. That yeah, but I've heard that too. Like I, I mean that means nothing. I know nothing about media, so it it must be prominent yeah. if I've heard it though. But you're from the little literal other side of the universe, yeah. so I feel like that means that it's more than just my weird interpretation if it's made of it across like... the space waves yeah. this far <laughs> <laughs> to the andalite home world. to the andalite home world if it made it all the way to your scoop alex yeah i don't know why i mentioned that i have lost the train of thought so much that i have no idea why i brought that up i don't i because truly... of the turtles that rescuing the tortoises thing oh that's right that's yeah. right yeah the flushed yeah. The flushed tortoises. Just thrown. Not, fl- yeah. not flushed. <laughs> Just casually tossed into a lake. <laughs> I have never thrown a turtle into a lake. I also have never thought about the fact that it may be a tortoise and maybe doesn't want to be in a lake. So I'm glad that I've never done this. The only thing that I've ever done is stop to move a turtle out of the road. I did that the other day. Yeah. Just wash your hands after you do that. Or don't. I used a a poop bag. I just took a doggy poop bag and just put it on my hand and picked him up. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) to wash your hands? Yeah. Initially, that's what I was trying to like. I was like, so did you just wipe your hands on the poop bag? And that's supposed to... So... So when you stick your hand inside the poop bag, there's like soap party in there, and then you just <laughs> oh, and then you just you just kind of scoof it up, and you do the other hand, and then you just toss it. I never knew this. Yeah. So yeah. you yeah you you stick your hand in the poop bag. Yeah. Rinse that hand or wash mm-hmm. scrub that hand. Yeah. Then you turn the poop bag inside out and yep. put it on the other hand. Yep. That's of how that works. Yep. That is how poop bags work. Yes. Yeah. So he, the phrase is righty any lefty outy for poop bags. That's how you remember what? to use. That's how you remember to re- flip the bag inside that, out. That so, old chestnut, righty any lefty outy. Ancient saying. My grandma always used to say. If you find that confusing, kids, you can just remember good old Rilo. <laughs> right. 
I hope that nobody ever tries to get any actual facts other than the animal facts that you give them. Yeah, that nobody podcasts. believes. That nobody believes. I think it's safe to say no one's coming here for facts at this point. <laughs> I would hope they'd learn their lessons by now. Except for the moon landing. Dead yeah, that, serious about that's all true. those. Yep. High five in the moon. Yep. High five in the moon. Phil Collins. That guy. Hope he's doing well. Then he went and wrote the soundtrack to Jumanji or some shit. <laughs> I was like, hold on. Wasn't it Michael Collins? Was Phil <laughs> Collins not the... Am I confused? We've Damn obfuscated it. it so much. I know. I've completely... <laughs> I was like, wait, is that right? Now I'm wrong? Is now, he the Genesis guy? Now or? you have been on Animorphs Anonymous long enough. <laughs> because you think it's Phil Collins who tried to high-five the moon. <laughs> Now you can never leave. We've, I don't know, you've gone Alice in Wonderland or whatever. Yeah. You can't leave anymore. You've eaten too much. You, oh, you've come from the spirit world and you have eaten of the fruit and slept in the bed of the human world. And now you cannot go back to the spirit world. You must live in our world. Either that or I'm trapped in a bubble in your world mm. underground mm. and Poseidon and Neptune are fighting above me, but it's really Casey and Alex that are fighting above me. <laughs> it's the chaotic screaming you hear at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Whacking each other with tridents. As yeah. we do. Often. It's just packs of gum. <laughs> <laughs> we run out, we get an orbit. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm saying the next one. Do it. They drew towards the surface as fast as possible, and David could see the light now. But when he looked back over his shoulder, the single chariot was still in pursuit. They broke the surface, and Christopher started cheering. And Sun is like, you fucking idiot. This changes nothing. They're still after us. And then, a second later, the pursuing chariot broke the surface, and they used this moment before it leveled out to yell, Spears! Jaleel threw one and struck one of the mermen, who died. David, on the other hand, set his chariot to fast and then handed the reins to Senna, telling her not to move, just hold this position. Ran up on the other cart, David leapt, stabbed the other merman through the gut, and the merman was shocked, and then he died and fell in the water. And for a moment, things were looking up, but then the chariots dove again. So, Anchorman. That's the only thing I could think of at this point. Oh my god, yes. Actually, yes. (laughs) I killed a guy with a trident. Yeah, you should probably lay low for a while. That's exactly what I thought of. <laughs> God. That's exactly right. I gotta assume that that's the, this was the book that they used for the basis of that movie. Obviously. The singular yeah. chapter. They were like... Yes. <laughs> they just wrote around it. Yeah. How do they get all the way to Anchorman? I guess under um, the sea, anchor, under the Neptune, sea. anchor. Yeah, anchor. there you go. All right. It's all puns. I could see yeah, the anchor it, in his eyes. Don't you find it concerning sometimes when you can, when you can, when when I say something stupid, and then you can walk there that quickly, when you're like, oh, anchor, obviously, and I'm like, <laughs> no, wait, what? <laughs> it shouldn't be that easy. It shouldn't, but listen, the evidence is there. Yeah. 
Proof is in the puffer fish, as they say. Nobody says that. <laughs> they say Rilo. I listen, if I ever had to put out an ad for our friendship, it would be that isolated clip of me saying the proof <laughs> is in the puffer fish and you saying, Nobody says that. <laughs> and it's just that. <laughs> So tomorrow, I'm going to solve a puzzle in the escape room. And at the end of that, I'm going to say, the proof is in the puffer fish. <laughs> and Alex is probably going to yell at me and be like, God damn it, I told you, everybody fucking says that. Everyone says, everyone knows. <laughs> everyone knows. Because obviously, you remember in Japan, they eat the puffer fish, the special one, and the guy dies, the proof is in the puffer fish. It's the poison, it wasn't prepared correctly. Obviously, it makes perfect sense. Which is weird hey. that the proof is in the puffer fish has the exact same logical reasoning as the proof is in the pudding. We've just made it non-white. <laughs> what? Is that is that an urban legend or is that for real that if you eat the wrong part of the puffer fish you die? No, that's that, that's true of some species. Like that can be is a it? thing that happens, but it's not like quite as dramatic, obviously. It's more like you can get really sick most of the time. Dying is the dramatic end if you already had some shit wrong or didn't suit <laughs> But yes, that can happen. Casey, the proof is in the pudding comes from when people used to put poisons in the pudding, like and that would be like again, that's a British phrase kind of a thing. And they'd put like arsenic and stuff in there and of course pudding being like more like breads and stuff. That. But the proof is in the pudding is there's poison in the pudding. That's why the guy died. I guess I never knew where that came from. Yeah. So now <laughs> we've I said a bullshit thing and now I've startled myself with kind of how weirdly similar that bullshit thing was. <laughs> this is a real shit hitting the fan moment. <laughs> is Canada to blame for this one too? I think yes. Canada's to blame. <laughs> Okay, anyways, I'm going to move on. David and Senna were not heading back towards Neptune, which was good, but they were heading towards something, a cave of some sort. Also, the other guy's chariot fucked off at this point. They're alone. It's fine. As they hurtled towards it, they saw some very pink, horrid dog beast with pustules and tentacles, so not dog-like at all, but also kind of dog-like, and also it has multiple heads, and also it has multiple limbs, and also it's pink, and also it has pustules. Do you see how this is... Too many details to hold in my hands. I yeah. don't know what this thing looks like, okay? But Senna's like, obviously, it's Scylla. Didn't look up how to pronounce that. I just assume it's Scylla. Anyways, hurdles out of this thing, and Senna was like, oh, don't you remember the child of the scorned woman and Neptune, blah, blah, blah. No, no one remembers that, Senna. No one said that ever. What are you even talking about? And then she's like, don't worry, David. It only eats men. And David pulls his sword and careens the chariot around, worried that the seahorses were going to like break out and bolt off. And he swings with all of his might and cuts off one of its heads. This is when I learned it had multiple heads. It's when he cut off one. And that didn't seem to make any difference. The thing keeps coming and it like barely backs off at all. But then there's this horrible wailing screaming. Neptune has found them. And he pulls up on his chariot, but he doesn't go after them. Instead, he goes to this beast who then is like, I am injured and like whines and like runs over like a dog that has been hurt and needs comfort. And then they just swam away. This chapter was so pointless. Yes. I have two points of order. Please. One, how the fuck is David's sword still sharp enough to cut limbs and things off? Has he sharpened that thing? 
I assume magic. Okay. He's sharpened it on the bones of his enemies. <laughs> it's a self-sharpening. Every time you cut through something, it gets sharper. I mean, if there's one place they could find a whetstone, it is down here. Uh, uh, Why okay. are you like this? I don't know. <laughs> okay, two. Neptune, both here and like in like the next chapter or whatever, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, has this like horrible screaming noise that like is debilitating and everybody's just like, oh my god, there's blood gushing out of my ears and all the animals are dying and whatever. Is that just like, is that like a magical sort of like echolocation scream he's doing or is I'm just picturing him just screaming because he's annoying. It's just like, uh, ah! It is 100% a goat scream. <laughs> oh, see, I, Casey just gave me a different one that I really wanted. <laughs> And What's it that? was, he's coming after them. He's going, ah. <laughs> I come from the land of the ice and snow. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so awesome. <laughs> that'd be epic. <sighs> anyway, that's all. I'm glad you had things to say about this chapter because I didn't. <laughs> it's pretty dumb. This is not the, this is not the creature that I had. Like I didn't know what this. I did the same thing. I didn't know how many heads this thing had until David started removing them. But this is not the creature that I had the hardest time imagining. No. Like eventually, I got that this was just basically swamp thing with extra heads. Yeah. That's. I don't know if that's accurate or not. They may be wrong, but that's kind of what I got was. Underwater swamp thing. I imagine a pink multi-headed shuckle. A shuckle? Like the Pokemon? Yeah, like the Pokemon. Okay, because I just got like a Cerberus, but with like nine heads. And also it had like mange and pustules and was gross. But it was like ultimately kind of a dog, just with a lot of dog heads. Why is the dog underwater? What did dog do? What did dog do it? (laughs) Why is a tortoise underwater? What T-E, Alex? I think because they didn't do their research to know the difference between a tortoise and a turtle is, I think, why the tortoises were under the water. (sighs) Every goddamn day of my life, I know no peace. (laughs) (laughs) What someone think of Alex? Won't someone learn a single animal fact? (laughs) All I do is give out bouquets of details about animals and nobody takes them. Oh my god. I hand single stemmed animal facts in a tiny plastic (laughs) container with water and nutrients. You know what it is though? It's like a game of telephone where you say an animal fact and it somebody fucks (laughs) it up. It just You I had a I had a a vision of Alex in a wedding dress holding a bouquet of details and throwing it over her head and all of us just watching it go right past us and nobody <laughs> making an effort to catch it. Always the bride and never the bridesmaid. Yeah. <laughs> it's her Sisyphusian, you know, what Challenge. is it? Challenge, yeah, to just constantly hurl animal facts at us uphill and none of us ever get them. And the one time that somebody gets them, then it tumbles down the other side and I have to go start (laughs) over again. 
<laughs> All right, you guys want this next chapter? Yeah. Yes. All right, we're going places. They had escaped Neptune, and ahead of them, David saw a brightly lit city that was within a giant bubble. Listen, guys, we're going to do a lot more bubble talk and a lot more Grecian looks of the city, and it's in a bubble, and there's a silvery net over it, and that's what's holding the bubble in place, and there's bubble geysers. We're just going to say bubble a ton of times and hope that you eventually get it. Uh, the fact that they're being drawn in... Oh, sorry. Nope. That I just read a sentence out of context. It's fine. That's when all hell breaks loose. They slap their hands over their own ears because Neptune has found them again. It was literally like three sentences that they had escaped. Now they have been found. He's making this horrible wailing cry, which is louder than anything they had ever experienced before, including the previous cries. And the dolphins and seahorses were bleeding from their eyes and their ears and trying to get away. And David is uselessly slapping the reins at them. They took off. And what the hell? Oh, yeah, they took off just to leave this noise behind them. He then saw Christopher taking the helm in that chariot. Senna's on the floor covering her head. And then everything cuts off at once, including their ability to breathe. Neptune had taken it away and they were drowning. David watches Senna try to take in this big gulp of air and then spit it out underwater, which was useless. And Jaleel is kind of gesturing towards his own throat in a really weird gesture. April passes out over the side of the chariot. And then this is the end. It's over. They're dying. They're going. They're going to be dead forever. The last thing that crosses David's mind is how pretty the silver bubble net was when it opened up just for them. That's the end of the book. Just kidding. (laughs) You said bubble a lot. You did not once say bull barrier. I did not say bull barrier because they had a net, not a bull barrier. Uh, That's true. Yeah. If they had a bull barrier, I would have said bull barrier, but they just said bull bull barricade. The bull barricade when they go to bubble war. <laughs> <laughs> that went very Pokemon. <laughs> bubble war. Bubble war is when you throw boba tea at somebody. Hey, you know what? You know what that is? It's a it's a bull barrier on the outside. <laughs> getting to the part that we kept talking about so like now i just kind of want to fly through it so we can go back do it do it do it do it yeah all right cool uh this is where david wakes up and he drops a tiny shot of espresso to the floor i know they're tiny but i imagine he was holding an even tinier shot of espresso (laughs) (laughs) you want to share my joy uh he was in starbucks and as he looked around he wondered what the meaning of this all was why was he here making fruity drinks and more coffee than anyone could ever want in their whole life and fetching French roast in the basement when he could be out there making a difference? He was the one. No sooner had he started spiraling than his eyes snapped open and there was a guard wearing a tunic and a helmet with a plume and he was holding a spear to David's chest. David looks right and left and sure enough, everyone's there with him in this bedraggled heap and he's laying on someone's arm. So he tries to move and he just sits up into the spear and then he goes, Hey, brah, can you move that? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, sure. So he, like, lifts up the spear, and then he moves off Christopher's arm, and he waits while everybody just, like, wakes up. Then he very respectfully is like, please, sir, may I stand up? And they're like, yeah, whatever, man. And then once everybody was standing up, the guards were like, hey, just so you know, you kind of illegally entered the city of Atlantis, and uh, you're not going to stand trial, so that's cool. But before they could respond, an earthquake starts happening for, like, a minute. And the guards were like, listen, just ignore the earthquake. This happens all the time. It's just Neptune and Poseidon trying to take control of the city. No big deal. 
And uh, David's like, all right, I guess. Uh, does this happen often? They're like, yeah, many times a year. And David's like, okay, cool. Um, who's in charge of the city? And the guard gets super proud. And he's like, Monsieur Mayor Jean-Claude Lemieux. That's, that's that chapter. Those guards were so they were agreeable. Mean, yeah, they were. They were super, super were. chill. They're like, whatever, bro. <laughs> but like, you're in Atlantis. Like, what are they going to do? Escape? Escape the bull bear. So, like, if anybody could be chill at their job, it's a guard in Atlantis. I guess. Yeah, like, like, especially when the crime is, like, you made it. Yeah. Like, what, are you going to swim out there, Namor? No, you're here. It's fine. (laughs) We aren't going to lose you. What are you going to do? Enter our city harder than you already have? (laughs) (laughs) Especially when they, like, just almost died, too, like... They're not going anywhere. Also, I love the idea of like, how often do these guys actually have to deal with people breaking into Atlantis? <laughs> this is the like, first time. Yeah, the guy with his little like shoulder radio was like, we got a 937 over here. And all of them are like, oh, what? And they all had to like look <laughs> in their books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> breaking and entering. What? A beanie on Atlantis. <laughs> They didn't break though. They just entered. That's true. The net did open for them. Yeah. Which is also pretty like polite. Like even the net was like, "Nah, come on. It's cool." Like I bet it's hard to breathe right there. You can you can come on in. It does what a nice net. Beg the question yeah. though. Why was there such a nice entry point and yet they only have like for an exit point just to skip ahead one bell dive machine. Machines a strong word. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, they're so advanced as to have this like auto opening net, but then they have this like right bell, yeah. yeah, dive bell from like nineteen thirty seven. If they're lucky, nineteen thirty. It's probably like eighteen fifty two. Like they probably also just have like a giant like helmet head thing and a guy like into the other end of the yeah. tube as they go up. <laughs> hold on hold on alex let's just visit the physics of this real quick and i'm afraid you went so fast that maybe the podcast listeners didn't catch what you just said that there was the guy with the big metal helmet with the cord attached to it, the air tube attached to it down at the bottom of the ocean yeah and then above on dry land is another guy who is going <laughs> yep into the tube at the other end. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I think you captured it. <laughs> Seems sound. What's he, man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Just that guy, like, sitting at the bottom walk, and he's like, you gotta breathe harder, Earl. I'm not getting enough oxygen down here. Come on, Phil Collins. Breathe harder. <laughs> I love their steampunk city. It's great. <laughs> All right. Shall I talk more about their... their it's, it's not described as steampunk, but it is now steampunk in my mind. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
great. So the kids were escorted into this chamber, and the floors were like all marble, and the ceiling was whitewashed, but it still felt cozy and warm because of the gas-burning lamps and the cushioned chairs with the red velvet that had been arranged informally around a larger velvet brocaded chair. That's right, I just made the call. They had a lot of arguments about whether or not it was brocaded in the book, but I just made that call. Uh, the five minutes until the mayor walked in felt like much longer, but eventually the door swung open and a smaller man of like, I don't know, 50 or 60 walked in. He's wearing this modified tunic with, uh, I imagine, very broad bell sleeves and a sort of legging. And he sat down in the largest chair before inviting the rest of them to sit. And they did. And they're like, how did you get here? And they're like, oh, is this trouble with Neptune? And he's like, ah, of course, it's always trouble with Neptune. But where did you come from before that? And David's like, from a different time. From a different world. We call it the real world. And the guy's like, cool, cool, cool. Same, bro. And yeah, that's uh, that's it. I love how David turned into the movie announcer guy. <laughs> in a world. <laughs> in a world that is real. And not ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just some... Occasionally, a lot. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. All right. So the mayor is like, all right, time to tell you my origin story. We've made it to this point. He's like, I was a spy in the Cold War. I did some illegal maneuvering of weapons and such across the ocean. I was caught out in a storm one day, and my boat capsized. I was trapped underneath, and I saw the flash of light, and then the muscle and bone and veins, and Christopher was like, ah, and David, like, shook his head very, very tiny. And Christopher shut up, and David's like, I want this guy to keep thinking that we're all here on accident together. Because if you tell him you went through the same thing, of course he's going to jump to the conclusion that, like, it was on purpose. Whatever, David. Anyways, uh, when he came to, he was in his boat again, and it was upright, but it was on a sea surrounded by boats of bygone eras, Atlantean surface dwellers. They took him down to the city in a diving bell that they still use to this day, and he found a fractured and weak infrastructure. Citizens divided about which god to swear to and which to become the victim of, and Monsieur Lemieux spent years becoming a solid citizen and playing politics. He slowly rose to power and made choices to create economy around selling shellfish and gold to surface dwellers. He also created an entire government. All of this was possible because of the naivete. God, sorry, dog running. All of this was possible because of the naivete of the people of Everworld, including the gods. People took him at his word. He used that against them. And April's like, so what's going to happen when you die? And he's like, well, that's rude, little girl, but I don't know. That's, That's it. What is going to happen? I think it'll revert back to what it was. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That sounds like pretty much the standard of Everworld. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a like, very elastic place. No, it's not. It is what it is. And that's all e- that it is. What D.E.? All right, let's find out more about this guy. Yeah. So this conversation continues. Sorry, Scott is like walking out of here and being so fucking loud. Is he back from bags? He's back from bags. And I don't like he was just taking the dog in and out. But he's like just the reckless abandon with which he feels he can (laughs) slam these doors open. is just wild to me. So anyways, um, 
Yeah, so this conversation continues, and the kids start asking questions about him going back to the real world. They're like, have you been back? No. Do you want to know what's changed since 1968? No, but he appreciates the offer. Did he try to get back? Yes, at first, but he was unsuccessful. Does he phase at night? No, and he thinks that sounds terrible. Besides, he wouldn't want to know what the other Lemieux was doing anyways. Uh, he was interested interested to find out that they checked in, though, at night, because he's like, that's weird. Uh, and also the only way he knew how to get back, other than the few super special awesome people that could phase naturally, cue no one looking at Senna, the only way would be to find the great scroll that wrote all the laws and things of Everworld. And everybody is now like, oh shit, there's a scroll with rules? Hell yeah. Luckily at that moment the mayor's assistant walks in, so they ever so subtly talk quietly amongst themselves. This certainly was not a manufactured moment from the mayor at all. Senna's like, Perfect, I could get the scroll for world domination. And Jaleel's like, I just want to see the hardware. And Christopher's like, I want to go home. And David, of course, wants it to save everyone. Save Everworld and go home. But he insists that first they must return to Athena. When the mayor's aide walks away, they're like, hey, can you help us get back to the surface and get past Poseidon and Neptune? And the mayor's like, mm, sure, I guess. But first, let's get dinner. And Christopher's like, oh, it's going to be Oyster Rockefeller, a dish that has not been popular since the Cold War, war ironically. And the mayor's like, nope, it's sushi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know what Oyster's Rockefeller is. It's literally a dish that has not been popular in 100 years. It's like that would, that would explain why I don't know what it is. Yeah, I've looked it up before, and it's literally just like oysters but they like put it in broth or some shit it's like very stupid it's like it was popular for like a couple years and it was like the height of like richness to order this dish but again it was only popular for a couple years i know a lot more about the history of it because i've watched like a whole like history channel episode on oyster rockefeller i don't know why i know (laughs) much less about what the dish is it was a joke once and i needed to understand why so i looked into it (laughs) I it I do enjoy not responding sometimes to Alex when she's being a little weird, and then she has to explain a little bit, and then you don't respond <laughs> again. And she has her. to explain. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tim's version of "Go on." It is. <laughs> Y'all just keep explaining. <laughs> All right, let's go through these final two chapters here. Let's do it all in one fell swoop. They had a great meal. Then they piled into the diving bell, or the pretty box that was the size of a porta potty that was going to take them to the surface. They asked Lemieux if he was sure there was no other way, and he's like, not that I have power over. It's the diving bell or nothing. So they got in, and they started to ascend to the surface in this rickety old thing, and it's clicking up, and then they feel a jolt. And then another, it was a shark. Someone's like, oh, no, it's going to bite through the cable and we're going to sink. But, but, but Jaleel's like, no, we're going to go up. Sure enough, the shark detached the bell and it starts rocketing to the surface. As it was shooting up, they're like, no, we're going to get the bends. And Jaleel's like, there's no way the old gods wrote about the bends. We're going to be fine. And then there's this bellowing and it's Neptune. And then there's this answering bellow and it's Poseidon and they're fighting. And everybody's like, oh, God, if they find this, we're toast. But there's literally nothing we can do at this moment. So they shoot up through the water, and then finally they get to the surface where they start bobbing around, and that's when the hurricanes <laughs> that's the hurricanes attacked. 
Sorry, that wasn't what I wrote. It's Avatar. Everything me. changed when the hurricanes. Attacked. Everything changed when the hurricanes <laughs> attacked. Uh, yeah, so these hurricanes pop up and start spinning them around, and it's like being inside a washing machine, and they're tumbling end over end, and David's clutching his sword just so it doesn't cut anyone's head off, and Jaleel slams into the window and leaves a smear of blood, and April has blood running down her face from where she bit through her lip, and Christopher's bleeding from the temple and puking all over the place, and then apologizing for puking all over the place, and Senna broke her wrist, and then just as suddenly as it began, it stopped. They're bobbing along, and then with a gentle bump, they are on the shore. They get out of the diving bell and they laid out in the sand, enjoying the personal space for just a moment. They slowly start recovering and they start trying to stand. As they're looking around, it's not Egypt. There's no mountains nearby, so they're not anywhere near Olympus. David plants the sword in the sand and uses it to push himself up. But as he did, he hears April say, uh, David? And as he looks up, he sees April's terrified expression and everyone else looking behind him. As he slowly turns, he sees this massive humanoid creature, this horribly horribly ugly and slightly terrifying with no nose and holes where its eyes should be, and apparently a red eye, which was a detail I missed earlier, teeth rotting out of its head and its toes falling off and this horrid skin. It only wore a cape and a loincloth made of crudely stitched together animal pelts. Then with speed that belied its massiveness, it darted towards April. David launches himself in and slams his sword down on this thing's hand, and it cuts through the skin and into the bone, and David's hacking away, but this thing just kind of shakes his hand and, like, brushes David away like the nuisance he was. April bolts down the beach. Senna, just gone. Jaleel running to help David, and then Christopher is taunting this thing. He's pulling a full Ian Malcolm, poking it and whooping and going, look at me, and David watches as the giant turns to him and with lightning speed snatches up Christopher and throws him in his mouth. And that's the actual end of the book. And that's how Christopher died. And that's how Christopher died. So there was a good, like, I don't know, I'll call it 10-year period. Where it seemed like every form of media had an episode or a piece or something that resulted in the characters being terrified that they were going to get the bins. Yeah! And so it was like, like there was a lot of fear that people were going to get the bins. It was like a, an aftershock of quicksand. Yes. Yeah, quicksand was the same way. There was yeah. like this like a long period of time. Not long period of time. There was this period of time where everybody was afraid of quicksand. And then it just went away. Wasn't a problem. And then, the yeah, the bins kind of did the same thing. Like, you never see anybody talk about getting the bins anymore. But like every episode of TV... Or every show had an episode where it was like, oh, I'm going to get the bins. I'm going to tell you a personal story now. Not that About how you got the bins? No, I've never gotten the <laughs> bins. But I, so I lived through that period. I know exactly what you're talking about, where everybody was talking about the bins. But I got to live that for longer than it was a problem. Because my grandma used to say things like that about flying for even like two hours. And used to justify use that to justify her getting up and walking down the aisle of the plane, waving her arms over her head and like rotating her wrists and walk because you might get bubbles in your veins if you don't move around the cabin. Oh my goodness. And I was sure. always like, absolutely. Not. I just I want you to know I will not move from my seat no matter what on a flight. I don't care what if I, you I, have to I feel you like crawl over me. 150 people are on this flight and none of them got the bends. Not a I feel like that's one. I feel like that's proof that that's not a not a thing. You're not going to get the bends by going in a plane. Nope. Not unless you scuba dove the day before. Scuba yeah. Scuba dove. Scuba. Scuba. Yeah. Scuba-dove. Unless you 
scuba diving, got on the plane at the bottom of the ocean where you were scuba diving, and then the plane took off with you in it. I think if you scuba dive and then go on the plane the next day and it goes up, I think you can get the bends that way. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm pretty Cassandra. Let's Google it. I'm Actually, it. I wonder, no, like legit, I've never heard that before, but I wonder if that's true. Can like you? if that's, <sighs> I don't know what the actual, like, I know you have to go up slowly mm-hmm. or else it's the, it's the rapid pressure change that would cause you to get the bends. Yeah. So I don't know. You should wait at least 12 hours after a single dive with no decompression limits or 18 after 18 hours after a series. Most people extend that to 24 hours just to build in an extra margin of safety. Wow. I could ask. I wish Matt were here. I would ask him because he used to scuba dove and then he didn't get the bends, but he fucked up his inner ear from ascending too quickly. And it's still fucked up to this day. Wow. That's why he won't believe us about the Fey Realm. So if you... it's part of it. If you scuba dive, mm-hmm. then go get tacos. And then go get on a plane. You could possibly still get the bends. Absolutely. I didn't know that. My it's a God. minor problem. It's not a major problem. Like, having the bends is a major problem, but like I feel like most people on planes haven't just been scuba diving. Why do they call it the bends? I have no idea. Let's Google it. I think it was named after somebody. Probably. The bend sounds like like I just threw my back out and now yeah. my bones are fucking fucked up. Yeah. Because joint joint and bone pains can be so severe they double you over. That's so dumb as a name. Yeah. Yeah. Not a fan. Yeah, we could do better. But why don't they call it like it they should call it the bubble veins. Well, it's what happens inside your joints, what happens when you open up a carbonated drink. It's all the nitrogen bubbles that are popping at the same time. Ew. So it... Yeah. Yeah. They should, they should call it the soda sickness. Oh, Coke or Pepsi should have a campaign about this, and then they can call it the Coke sickness or the like branding. Yeah, the fizz would have been better. The fizz. The fizz. Yeah. Doctor Fizz. I got the fizz. I've got the fizz. I send it too quickly, and I got the fizz. That sounds so cool. That sounds amazing. Let's start a campaign to rebrand the Benz as the fizz. You okay? You know what other condition? term i hate i hate shingles because that also sounds like a a bone thing it sounds like all all my bones are fucked up like roof shingles and and they're all like just clattering around inside of me i always imagined it like the people in like fantasy novels that turn into like the tree people but it was just roofing tiles yeah that's what it was (laughs) in fact i'm still not entirely sure what shingles is other than a chicken pox variant yeah it's like a it's like a well Chicken pox for olds. Like chicken pox for olds. TM. They should call it like chicken pox two electric boogaloo or something. I don't know. So <gasps> there was once a book called Chicken Soup for the Soul. Yeah. Yeah, you want to talk like more about that? <laughs> Casey should write the sort of like opposite book and call it Chicken Pox for Olds. 
but it's still like inspiring stories of death and leukemia as the originals were and we just yeah. publish it and shingles and shingles <laughs> one time betsy i saw a hummingbird in my garden and i knew it was her she hadn't died gonna, yet fuck. i'm gonna just crawl into people's attics and just hang out there and then like <laughs> like you know like in like Where houses that going? are unowned Hold on, hold on. Stay with me. Stay with me. In like houses that are unowned and wait for families to come look at them, like potentially buy them and wait for kids to be left alone and just start talking to them like I'm the roof and just tell them that I got the shingles and this is what happens to you. Haunted, haunted bitch. This is like the perfect haunted house setup. Like because if you do it your way, you're gonna be sourcing a lot of houses. You don't know when the kids yeah. are coming. It's gonna be like just a just like, like a schedule nightmare for you. But if we can consolidate the children to one central location and bring them in every fifteen minutes, what's the fucking clown from it? You're like the what the what's that fucker's name? Pennywise. Pennywise. You're like the inverse Pennywise. Nickel dumb. <laughs> Actually, Nickeldom does girl. sound like I'm Nickeldom the Cloud. I have shingles, and they <laughs> used me for roofing. I'm Nickeldom the Shingles Cloud. Oh my god! We all float up. Well, we don't really float. We're nailed into place up here. We all subvert water into the gutter system <laughs> from here. This has to be a new RPG character. <laughs> Nickel dumb the shingles clown. <laughs> I'm shingle and ready to wrangle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. So, Cr- Christopher is dead. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Finally, that's where we stand right now. What's gonna What's gonna be great is like. You're going to spend like three quarters of the next book thinking Christopher's dead. And then he's going to pop out of this monster, right? And he's going to be like, hey, guys, I'm alive. And then right then take an arrow to the head. And then it'll be a dramatic yeah. death. That's how what it's going to happen. if, and I just did this in my last home D&D game. What if Christopher goes into this thing's body and then he becomes it? So he keeps trying to get back to his friends, but all his friends see are the monster running after them, trying to get them. Come back, it's me. It's me, Christopher. He has no teeth, so imagine saying that with no teeth. (gasps) Or, 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 or. They, They go to sleep, they go back into the real world, and Christopher's like, hey, it was, turns out you had to die in Everworld to get back here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's Wink. what Mayor Lemieux confirmed, is if you die in one world, you just exist exclusively in the other world. <gasps> and the not? penultimate book is they have to make the choice, and David chooses to stay in Everworld. <gasps> oh, how do they kill him? So somebody him in the has to world? kill him in the real world. What? That's what we, No, we, same thought. How do they oh, kill okay. him in the real world then? Ooh. Who's going to do it? How do they do it? What do they do? Ooh. Hit him with your car. He's just a man. Hit him with your car. That would be a very, very, like, that would make a lot of sense as the end of this book series. Yeah. It, the how would be hard to guess, but David remaining in Everworld by dying in the real world while everybody else dies in Everworld, mm-hmm. that that would be a, sort of a logical conclusion based on where we are. It would be. 
<gasps> Wait, okay. It's a David book now, and then there's two books left. Mm-hmm. So if we remove Christopher from the rotation because the the thing ate yeah. him, yeah. then the next book would be an April book and then a Jaleel book, and then we're good. Yeah. Know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. They like to do the final books from multiple perspectives. That's though, right? true. That is true. How the fuck are they going to wrap this all up in two books? I don't know. I don't know. There's no way to know. Because, no like, we created a, like, five to ten books continuation yeah. from this point. Yeah. Right. I'm actually kind of mad that this book wasn't more good. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. with you. I'm ready to start book 11. Okay, yeah. let's do it. Okay. Right now. Right now. Well, show, but yeah, let's do it right now. Okay. I can't do it right now because I have to go have had a lot of fun at Dragon Con <laughs> in the past. Ah, uh, yes. The distant future past. The year 2000. The year 65 BC. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> no. Nope. <gasps> you guys. Yeah. Okay, so BC is birth of Christ or whatever the fuck. Before AD. Common Era. Yeah. Yeah. AD is Adam Driver. <gasps> oh. Oh. oh my god, what is that work? Oh. <laughs> AD is Adam Driver. 65 million years. Yep. Adam Driver. Anyway, that's for you guys. Oh, God, I'm going to get mocked mercilessly if I ever am in any position where I have to be like, well, you see, in the year 2000, Adam Driver. <laughs> so every every time you now have to yeah, say every, year, yeah. Yes, yeah. In the year of our Adam, 2023, Mr. Driver said, Adam. Yeah. I mean, they did name the Atom after him, I assume. Uh-huh. <laughs> They just had to change the spelling slightly because of copyright infringement. Exactly. The, they didn't want to get sued. The building block of life. The building Adam Driver, the building Adam block of life. Well. Want to do some outro? Yeah. All right. If you two would like to email me in the year of Adam Driver 2023. <laughs> Please email us, so. you two. Hit band, you two. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> a beautiful day. I don't think that's you two. Anyways, uh, email me at anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com or find me on Facebook at Animorphs Anonymous or our super secret, super awesome subgroup, the Andalite Bandalites. Or you can find us on Twitter at Animorphs Anon or uh, Apple Grant Cast. Or find us on Instagram at Animorphs Anonymous or Apple Grant Cast. And also on Facebook at Apple Grant Book Club. Oh, it's me. Uh, Discord, come to it. We have one. It's great. Hit us up on any of our socials and we'll get you the link to the Discord server. Do that, please. 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 I feel like Discord gives people the wrong idea about that server because there's a lot of cord there. It's not very Discord. Oh. It's it's very cord. I feel but it like is on a Discord, so I am the biggest source of 
Discord in that community, I refuse to follow any of the rules set forth. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. you have to follow the rules. Don't. You can't just be going around willy-nilly. You can't just be throwing out bouquets of details. Yeah. Do that, too. <laughs> too many for Alex to hold. I'm kind of like the cherry blossom tree in Mulan of details. Does that yeah. evoke an imagery for you, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> no. I... Uh, hmm. But... Wait, so you don't bloom I don't. Until I bloom very... early. I bloom late. I throw a lot of details all over the ground. Okay. Way too many. And you're the most oh, okay. beautiful okay. of them all. Me. Yeah. No, I'm just a tree, but you can <laughs> perceive me how you wish. I thought we could not perceive you. That is also true. Oh, uh, Do yeah. not perceive me. Yeah. As see, you wish. See how the rules are just kind of willy-nilly. I, I yeah. kind of live on the Everworld track of rules. Where I make them to free, break them. Free willy nilly. Free willy nilly. The cat and my the favorite fiddle. rapper from the nineties. <laughs> hey, speaking of rappers from the nineties, what if I wanted to read a comic book about music and romance? <laughs> uh, that that I believe is is my area of expertise because I make a draw web comic called Beside You. It's about music and romance. It's just, 90s early 2000s it's a great time uh i make that for free on topics and webtoons i make it at bsideyoucomic.com i make it on patreon.com slash kcd studios which is my patreon which if you decide that you like this comic and you're wanting to support poor me in exchange for early access pages and work progress pages and and just being generally one of my favorite people ever you can go to my Patreon and help me support making the comic. And that's what I know about that. And I will. And at patreon.com slash kcdstudios for only $8,422 a month, you too can support the making of the Slater cast, which Dan and I do in the Dan van, which may or may not have recently relocated from Casey's driveway. Dan said, I can't tell you. So that's where we are now. And for only... uh, I believe it was $80,000 a month. Casey and M. Swan will both quit their jobs and start animating Unicorns of Balinor in the style of spirit. So that is a goal that I would like to reach. So anybody with a spare $80,000 a month, just hit me up. Patreon.com slash KCD Studios. Looking at you, you two. Looking at you, you two, the band. And Rammstein. Don't think we're letting you off the hook of Rammstein. (laughs) You don't hate me. Fuck, that was good. All right. Uh, hey, if you want to see the look of incredulity on Tim's face that he gave to me when I said Free Willy Nilly was a 90s rapper, <laughs> where could I potentially go and do such a thing? Well, uh, hold on. Hold on real quick. You could go to horsegirls.club and you could you could listen to Horse Girls and then you could go to Single Thought Connection and then you could give money for listening to Horse Girls even though it's free. And it, it kind of doesn't make sense, but I think you should do it anyway. Um, uh, it wasn't that you said Free Willy Nilly was an 80s or 90s rapper. It was that you said, and that relates to Casey's webcomic. Yeah. And that was the part where I was like, nah, 
Nuh-uh. It doesn't. But did it? It super doesn't. No. No, it super didn't. But did it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking for a yes and this time. Hey, if you want to find another place that Tim yes ands me, where would that be? The late starters. Uh, and, and Casey's there too, and Austin, and it's a ton of fun. It's a Pokemon TTRPG, and everybody should go and listen to it because it's fun. This is all true. It's also not very rules heavy. Yeah, like it's we know how Alex baby. Alex likes to Alex likes to play things fast and loose, and Furious. so do we. It's it's about family. It's all about Shannon. Family. Shannon, oh. it's about family. It is about family, Shannon. Who? I think still listens to this on occasion. <laughs> Shannon, it's about family. What if what if I like other other TTRPGs? Like I don't know, like D and D, or like maybe even if I like Animorphs. Oh shit! I know of this one show that I would like to recommend to you right now that has both D and D and Animorphs combined. It's called Dungeons and Dragon Beams. It's a delightful show where it's very wholesome and kind and happy and want just kidding. It's an Animorphs D&D show. Everything is terrible and there's so much horror. So you should come listen to it. Dungeons of Dragon Beams. Horse Girl <laughs> Jenna is on it. It's amazing. That's what I have to say about that. It's good. Uh, have we said the things? I don't know. I feel like we've forgotten something. Surprise attack. Surprise attack book club. Once again, it's a surprise attack that it's here. It drops in this very feed. If you've missed it at this point, I'd also be surprised. But that's the point of surprise attack book club. Surprise me by tweeting at me, at Alex and Birds, and tell me that you've missed surprise attack book club dropping in this very feed. Do it. I dare you. I've dared them. There's nothing more I can do here today. I've dared That's them. That's true. That's true. They got to do it by law because got you double are double dog dare. Oh, got them. It's a you've handed them a bouquet of dares. I have. It's more dares than they can hold. That's why they got to tweet at me. They can put each one of those dares in a little tweet, and then it'll be connected. Scoop them up, <laughs> and then drop them on the ground. And drop them on the ground. Because of your tiny, non-human hands. Tiny, inhuman hands. With an appropriate amount of fingers. Unless you're on the Andalite homeworld. Right. In I said scoop. appropriate amount of fingers. <laughs> and I said unless you're on the end of... And I said yeah. appropriate amount of fingers. 